It's been almost two months and I haven't said anything about these Occupy protests, partly because I am not sure what to think. My initial sense is that people who can go and live for an indeterminate time in a tent in a park are either independently wealthy or unemployed and homeless. Or not. Maybe they all are political activists and they are being paid to protest. Second is, what are they exactly protesting against? They say that they are the 99%. They say that the world economic systems have to be changed, perhaps. But I can't help but think about those day laborers whom Jesus spoke about. The ones who worked longer complain that the ones who worked only a few hours get paid the same. Now, I know that this parable is told for a different purpose, to explain God's unfair mercy. But at the same time, isn't it our human nature to complain? Is it easier to complain than to just work hard and live an honest life? See, this is why I'm conflicted. I'm reminded of the words of the late Brazilian Archbishop Elder Camara, who was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize, by the way. He said, If I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. If I ask why they are poor, they call me a communist. And so, some in the church are content to help the poor, feed them, care for them, but the poor will always be with us, right? Still, others are energized by the church's social justice principles that call us to work for justice. I don't know. I do know that these people who claim to be the 99%, if they live in North America and they earn minimum wage, they are actually in the top 1% of the highest earners in the world. Perhaps I can propose a few changes. How about capping the amount that CEOs can earn? No one works so hard that they deserve or are worth millions of dollars. No CEO should make 340 times the amount that their workers make. And how about limiting the size of corporations? How's this for a change? Instead of occupying Wall Street and London and Toronto, let's occupy the local mom and pop shop in your neighborhood. Go and occupy the local farm, buy their products and support their work and don't expect the government to fix all your problems. How about that for a protest? I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Here with me is Krista Matrenko. Hi, Pedro. And today, Jillian returns to tell us what her kids taught her this week. That's in about 20 minutes. And as always, Andrew Santos has a Saint of the Week. And Sheridan has our diocesan update. And Chris, what's in uh, this week's headlines? Well, we're going to be talking about some visitors that the Pope received this week. And he actually received a new DVD. We're going to tell you about that. And also, uh, the Pope spoke about a number of problems in the world, including violence in Nigeria and uh, protecting human life. So we'll uh, give you the details about that. Okay, good. So those details mm -hmm. are coming right up. But before that, Chris, is there anything that you think that you would have a hard time forgiving? Hard time forgiving? Hmm. I don't think I've had anything so horrible happen to me, Pedro, that... Uh, that I haven't been able to yeah. to find a way to forgive it. I guess I'm very fortunate because some people, I'm sure, have 
encountered situations where it would be very, very Absolutely, and, and a lot of people uh, struggle with this idea that we are to forgive, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of misconceptions. So that's going to be the topic for today's featured interview. We're going to be speaking with Father Scott Hurd, um, who just published a book titled Forgiveness, A Catholic Approach. Um, so if you have any questions or reservations about forgiveness, you want to listen in on that conversation. And our featured artist this week is John Michael Talbot. He returns with a new mass setting and here from his new album, Worship and Bow Down, is In Remembrance of Me. In remembrance of me This is my body In remembrance of me This is my blood Whoever eats all this bread And drinks this cup of salvation Shall not die but shall live Shall live forever For his flesh is real food and his blood real drink Those who receive shall never die But live forever Strengthened by heavenly bread Strengthened by bread of angels The cup of salvation reigns of me This is my blood Whoever eats all this bread and drinks this cup of salvation shall not die but shall live shall Under creation's form Yet the creator of all Within flesh yet not enclosed Incarnate and transcendent Consumed by all yet not destroyed Received by all and adored This is my body In remembrance of me This is my blood Whoever eats all this bread And drinks this cause of salvation 
John Michael Talbot with In Remembrance of Me from his new album, Worship and Bow Down. We're going to be speaking with John Michael in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, what our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. But first, Chris, so the Holy Father has a new DVD in his collection. Well, it was a gift of the Canadian bishops. And the heads of the heads of our bishops' conference uh, are continuing their meetings in the Vatican. And on Monday, they went right to the top office and that of Pope Benedict. And the visit to Rome uh, happens once a year. It's the same for the American Episcopal Conference, although they're undergoing their ad limina visits right now, so it's not just the leaders, but all the bishops are going to be making their way to the Vatican over the course of the year. Anyhow, for the back to the Canadians, this year's delegation includes the newly elected president of our bishops' conference, Archbishop Richard Smith of Edmonton. And he's joined by the new vice president, Archbishop Paul-André du Rocher, and as well the General Secretary Monsignor Patrick Powers. Now the Pope gave them rosaries that he blessed, and the Canadians gave the Pope a number of gifts, and they included the first copy of the new translation of the Roman Missal. So it was a very special leather-bound copy given to the Pope. And uh, the Pope also received a book about a new seminary campus in Edmonton, and he was given a Sultan Lake DVD about that seminary called Put Out Into the Deep, the new St. Joseph Seminary. Now, the bishops are continuing their meetings in Rome until the 18th, and during that time, they will have met with as many as 27 offices of the Vatican. So that's pretty much all of the different uh, congregations and uh, pontifical councils. So they're meeting with them all. Now, uh, also the Pope, he had a number of other meetings this week, starting on Sunday um, with the Angelus uh, in St. Peter's Square. And uh, he made an urgent plea for an end to violence in Nigeria. In Nigeria, a wave of bombings and shootings has killed over 150 people in recent days. Uh, A radical Islamic sect has claimed responsibility. And the Pope says that violence never solves problems, but only increases them, and sows hatred and division. He also spoke about flooding that's been happening all over the world, uh, asking for prayers on behalf of the faithful. Now, on Monday, the Pope received the ambassador of a country that he recently visited, and that would be Germany. Reinhard Schwepp is the new ambassador of Germany to the Holy See, and the Pope told him that for Germany to be a humane society, it must defend the dignity of every human person from conception to natural death. And he also warns of growing materialism and hedonism in Western societies. And the Pope says that these tendencies often lead the exploitation of women. 
Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. I didn't want to interrupt you earlier, but I did want to point out uh, that that DVD that the Holy Father received, put out into the deep, was actually produced by our very own Chris Dimitrenko. So uh, congratulations, Chris. Oh, well, thank um, you. It's a, it's a great little DVD, um, and people can find out uh, more about that particular program or any of our Salt and Light videos on our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, thank you, Chris. Those were our news headlines this week. Uh, Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light radio news producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. To get some handy parenting tips, stay tuned, because coming up is Jillian Cantor with what her kids taught her this week. But first... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. All right, Pedro. How's everything going? Perfect over good, here. Good, good. Uh, this week we're going to look at St. Gertrude. You know anything about St. Gertrude? I, I, no. I, should I be ashamed? I have no St. Gertrude. Okay. Um, St. Gertrude's um, feast day is coming up this week. So uh, let's, let's take a look at St. Gertrude's life. So first and foremost, uh, she was born in 626. And she is commonly known as the abbess of the Benedictine Monastery of Nivelles, which is now common day Belgium. Mm-hmm. So um, when Gertrude was about 10 years old, uh, her father invited some men to a banquet. So we'll start off with, with a little story. So um, at this banquet, she was asked to marry the son of a duke who attended. And you know what Gertrude's response was? No. Okay. Um, in response to um, being asked to marry the son of a duke, she said that she would marry neither him nor any other man, but that Jesus Christ alone would be her bridegroom. Wow. That's quite the response. Wow. So, Do you uh, know how old she was when that happened? Ten. She was ten years ten. old. Exactly. So, okay. Uh, nice. It's amazing what a ten-year-old will say these days. Yes. So uh, when Gertrude's father died in the year 640, her mother, who... Um, was friends with uh, St. Amand, the Bishop of Maastricht. Um, the mother followed the bishop's advice and said that um, she should build a double monastery at Nivelles. So um, her mother built a monastery, and she asked her to be the monastery's first abbess, and her mother um, ended up living there as a nun. So many pilgrims stopped by over the years to pay this monastery a visit. Um, Many, many people, including monks from all around the world. And after Gertrude's mother died in the year 652, um, she asked for the monastery to be uh, managed by several nuns. So um, Gertrude also appointed a few monks to deal with the affairs of the monastery so that she could stay away and spend more time reading scripture um pedro she knew scripture from the back of her yeah back of her head she knew um where to find uh particular things and um that's one thing she loved doing was reading scripture so um now going back to gertrude's mother dying because her mother died um the large property that her mother had uh gertrude decided that it was to be used for building churches Um, other institutions, monasteries, hospices. And um, when Gertrude became 32, at the age of 32, she became so weak 
um, because she had passed on, you know, eating food and sleeping, that um, she found it important. She found it necessary to resign from the monastery, mm -hmm. to fully step away. So um, after taking the advice of her monks and nuns who had worked with her, she assigned, Gertrude assigned her niece to take over um, the monastery. So a day before Gertrude died, she sent one of her monks who had worked with her at the monastery to see St. Oltan, which, who is an Irish monk. Um, Gertrude had sent the monk to find out from St. Oltan whether God had made known to St. Oltan the hour of Gertrude's death. So um, it's interesting what the Irish monk said, because St. Oltan said that Gertrude would die the following day during Mass. Just imagine if you found out that you were going to die tomorrow during Mass. I don't think it would be pleasant. Yeah, interesting. So uh, what eventually happened? The prophecy was fulfilled. Really? Uh, St. Gertrude was canonized as a saint as soon as she died um, during Mass in the year 659. D during the same Mass that she died? Yeah. She was canonized? Yeah. No, that was after. Uh, she died during the Mass. The prophecy oh, okay. was fulfilled. And then she was canonized as a saint afterwards. Okay. And that was in the year 659. And a church was built in her honor afterwards by St. Agnes. So, um, interesting facts. St. Gertrude is known as the patron of travelers. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever traveling, make sure to, um, you know, pray to St. Gertrude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her, she is invoked for um, fear of rats, mice, against all fevers. Mm -hmm. And um, there is a legend um, that one day... Gertrude sent people off to a distant country, travel to a country, mm -hmm. um, promising that nothing bad would happen throughout their trip. So when these people were on the ocean, a large sea monster uh, threatened to knock the ship mm -hmm. over. But when St. Gertrude was prayed to, everything ceased. Okay. Everything was totally fine. Just mm -hmm. like Jesus walking on the water. Right. But instead, you know, they prayed to St. Gertrude. Good. And that's St. So. Gertrude for this week. That's good to know in case I come across any sea monsters. I don't think you will. Thank you. I, I had not heard about St. Gertrude. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. In about five minutes, what's happening across our country, so stay tuned. I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to Salt Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. You can find Salt and Light on Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And now, it's time for... What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, what have you learned from your kids this week? It's a big week, Pedro. Uh-oh. Yeah, to this week, we're, uh, we're learning about trust. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I've said that a few times with Joseph. I said, Joseph, you just have to trust mommy. You just have to trust mommy. It's a big concept. What does that mean? And I, you know, just yeah. go to trust mommy that I know what's best for you and that you have to listen to what I say and then, and do what I say and, and then the best will come out of that. And we have to trust mommy, we have to trust God. And so sometimes he uses that word, but he doesn't, I'm sure, it's know what it means, yeah. working on it. Yeah. But I learned this week, as much as he needs to trust me, I also need to trust him. And how that lesson came about was, dun dun through potty training. Oh, yes. the joys of parenting. Yes, this is actually our second attempt at potty training. Earlier this year, I, I really tried with him and... 
and he clearly was not ready, but I was too proud. I thought, you know, we've already started. We're going to just push through this until he gets it. And it pretty much ended in disaster and a lot of tears on both mm-hmm. his part and my part. Yeah. And a friend of mine said, if it's affecting your relationship with your son, it's you just not, just stop. It's not worth it, yeah. Exactly. So that's what we, we stopped. And then the, we just started again, and it was just because we ran out of diapers. And I told Joseph, Mommy, we ran out of diapers. Mommy doesn't have any more. What are you going to do? And he said, I'll wear underpants. I'm like, okay, here we go. So here we, we're going we're gonna to wear underpants. And the last time... I did this with Joseph. I was insistent on, okay, do you have to go potty? Let's go potty. And I would push, push, push. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And this time I kind of took the the take that, you know, if he wants to go, we'll go. And if he doesn't, if, I don't, if I'm not going to push him. And so it's me learning to trust him that he'll tell me when he needs to go to the potty. And, and it's working out surprisingly well. And I said to my husband the other day, David, after hearing you say, Jillian, will you marry me? Perhaps the most beautiful words ever uttered to me were, Mommy, I think I have to poop. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was just so surprised and relieved and ecstatic that he would would finally get to this point, that he would know. That he would know. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we're just working on that, on trusting him, on him telling us, Mommy, I have to go to the potty. Mommy, I think I need to go. And that he now is... In, in us trusting him, he has kind of taken ownership of it, and he's trying mm-hmm. to figure it out on his own rather than us pushing, pushing, pushing. So, yeah, it's and I, I know that um, it's kind of a reflection of us too. Like we can't control our own lives; we just have to trust that God knows what's going on, and, <laughs> and He's going to take us in the best direction. And so, just as we are, I'm learning to trust my son. I also need to apply that to my faith life and just trust God that He is pointing this family in the right direction and he's going to take us there no matter how hard it is or if there's some bumps along the way yeah we'll get there or if you have to go buy diapers again (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to talk about that (laughs) yeah no that's great i i love it i love the uh the 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 trust lesson and the potty lesson being the same lesson (laughs) um yeah you know it's funny how kids kids know and when they're ready they're ready and uh we as parents need to just let them do yeah. their thing. Yeah. Just trust them. And I think it's going to be the beginning of trusting him in a lot of different ways. Yes. This, he is only, he's not even three yet, so I have a, we have a long way to go, but it's just yeah. trusting that he's going to be able to make decisions for himself. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Our Hard oldest, ju- just to, to, not to add to, well, to add, but our oldest son, Nicholas, was very similar in that he needed lots of information and lots of warning so that he could prepare himself. And then when he was ready, he would be ready. Yeah. And it would be like overnight. He was like that with, with the pacifier. Like one day he was like, okay, no more. That's it. So I know that if he ever starts smoking or something, he'll be able to quit <laughs> just when he's ready. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Trust. Thank you very much, Jillian. That's, that's an important lesson for not just for parents, but for all of us. Yeah. Trust. Trust. Okay. I trust you, Pedro. I trust you too. Thank you very much. Jillian Cantor, she's the producer of the Salt and Light TV program, Mothering Full of Grace. She's also a wife and a mother of two. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio, or you can also download the program at iTunes. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hello, hello. Uh, This coming week, next week, which is uh, November 13th through the 20th, is Restorative Justice Week. 
and uh, Correctional Service Canada is encouraging everyone to think about how we can revision justice. And of course, as people of faith, uh, we're called to love those who seem unlovable. So how do we approach justice then, and how do we move from punitive forms of justice to a healing mindset? And uh, that's just a little bit of a you know, that's a really interesting question. So if you're interested in finding out what restorative justice is, or you're just curious about how it connects to your faith life, uh, check out csc-scc.gc.ca, and then you can get free resources is on... That, is that... That's Canada Correctional Services, or yes. Correctional Services Canada. So yes, C- Correctional Service Canada. So that is csc-scc .gc.ca. Okay. And in Toronto, Susan Hukong Kayla will perform in two weeks, Saturday, November the 26th, at the Family Trias Cafe in Scarborough. So that's just east of Toronto. And for more information, check out deepwatersound.ca. It's $10 to attend, and all proceeds go to supporting the Sisters of Life. Yeah, absolutely. And John Dawson, in fact, I know is going to be the featured artist at that coffee house. So if you like John Dawson, if you like Susan's music and you're in, in Scarborough in the Toronto area, go check it out, The Beans. Yes. And for those in Montreal, have you ever uh, considered getting your certificate in youth ministry studies? And this is uh, for anyone who works with the youth. Um, you know, you just need to be 18 years uh, plus. And there are eight courses in the program. The program helps prepare youth with practical techniques and skills to effectively minister. So you can complete the program or you can just select an individual course that interests you. And the cost for the weekend would be $250. Uh, there are discounts available for parishes and groups and for those who sign up for all eight courses. And so that's December the 3rd and 4th. In Montreal, check out the diocese of Montreal.org or call 514-925-4300. Extension 216. And as you know, the new Roman Missal is going into effect on the first Sunday in Advent. Yeah, it's coming up. Yes, that's November the 27th in about two weeks. So if you haven't studied up on what the changes are going to be for the new translation, I suggest checking out your local diocesan uh, listings to see you know, what workshops are available. But you can also watch Pedro, uh, who did two very interesting shows on the new Roman Missal. And uh, he spoke with Archbishop uh, Legat and also Father Bill Burke, and you can view those episodes at saltandlighttv.org forward slash perspectives. Yeah, actually, they're good. Archbishop uh, Legat is the, the Archbishop of St. Boniface, but he's also the Canadian Episcopal representative on the International Commission on English on the Liturgy, and Father Bill Burke is the director of the National Liturgy Office. So those are very uh, two very informative programs. Yes, yes, yes. And in Vancouver, there's another installment of Catholic After Hours, and this time they're going to be talking about the euthanasia hobby, a bad idea that won't go away. And that's going to be hosted by Dr. Will Johnston. He's the chair of Euthanasia Prevention Coalition of BC. And uh, he's also a Vancouver physician who's been practicing for about 30 years. So he'll have a lot to, to bring to that talk. And so that's next Sunday, November the 20th, uh, 6.30 to 8.30. And that's $5 to attend. Uh, please see Catholic After Hours on Facebook. And, of course, that's going to be at the Irish Heather Pub uh, the backroom Shabin Whiskey House. Oh, nice. Yes. And in Toronto, the Mass of Comfort and Light will be celebrated at Holy Rosary Church on December the 4th at 5 p.m. And the, the Most Reverend Bishop Vincent Nguyen uh, will be the celebrant. The Mass will be held for those especially who are struggling at this time of the year. And it's going to be sponsored by Catholic Family Services of Toronto. 
and that's part of their dedication to supporting healthy mm-hmm. families and, and marriages. So uh, check that out as well. Um, and I just encourage any, anyone to check out uh, you know, their local uh, Catholic Family Services office. I mean, they've got fantastic programs. Uh, they offer counseling, wellness programs to, to manage uh, you know, life transitions and also marriage prep. Mm-hmm. So check that out. Good. Well, thank you very much. Lots, lots going on as, as always. Uh, coming up in our second half hour, how to forgive and a featured chat with John Michael Talbot. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now, I don't know about you, but I have gone through times where I have questions about forgiveness. Does forgiving mean forgetting? Does it mean letting the offender hurt me again? Does it mean reconciliation? Does the other person have to apologize or be sorry? To help us answer these and other questions, I am now joined by Father Scott Hurd, He's the author of Forgiveness, A Catholic Approach. Father Scott, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Well, thank you so much. It's a real blessing to be on the program. Yes. So why did you write this book? Well, forgiveness is such a a central element in our Lord's teaching that I found myself preaching on the topic over and over again, Mm -hmm. and then certainly in my pastoral ministry, um, so many of us struggle to forgive those who have hurt us that um, all of this experience came together um, into this book. I wanted to um, hopefully impart some of our Lord's teaching in a digestible way and perhaps share some of the lessons I have um, learned, both as an individual and as a, as a minister. So have you found that... Uh... I, I guess whether it's your parishioners or people that you minister to, that that um, a lot of people have questions or concerns or issues or with with the idea of forgiveness. I mean, absolutely. I mean, life gives all of us any number of opportunities to forgive. Yes. Um, it's and it's something that we need to learn. Um, our natural response to being hurt is to to hurt back mm-hmm. and to retaliate. Um, and so it, it's something of a, of a learned art and uh, a learned skill, and, and it's never easy. Um, it goes against our, our natural instincts. So I myself have struggled to forgive, and uh, so many of the people I know and ministered with have that same struggle. Now, what would be some misconceptions that people have about forgiveness? Sure, and uh, you were kind enough to mention several of those in the uh, the opening um, segment. Um, one is that we need to forgive and forget. Um, and if we have truly and deeply been hurt by another person, it's not possible for us to forget that experience in our life. Um, there might even be a benefit to not forgetting, because the memory might prevent us from placing ourselves in a similar situation in the future. Right. Um, but we can forgive 
and let go without forgetting. And I, I, I love to tell people that um, the origin of the phrase forgive and forget it's not in the Bible. It doesn't come from a saint. It comes from Don Quixote. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, if we try to forget a great hurt, we will be as successful as, as uh, Don Quixote was in mm-hmm. jousting with windmills. <laughs> one, of, one of the examples that you use in the book uh, has to do with women who've been uh, victims of domestic violence. And, and, and I think that's a good example because, as you describe in the book, a lot of them have been in patterns where the abuser you know, she's abused, and then he asks for forgiveness, she forgives, but then does that mean that she has to let him hurt her again, or that she's placing herself in that situation again? What would you tell that woman? Absolutely. Um, And that whole dynamic first came to my attention. I was teaching on forgiveness and mentioning um, our Lord's instruction that we need to forgive others 70 times, seven times, and this one person raised their hand and said, doesn't that give someone license to hurt us over and over and over again? Um, And no, um, we can protect ourselves from being hurt. Um, There were many instances in our Lord's life when he removed himself from from dangerous situations. Um, And so I like to make the point in the book that we can forgive from a distance the people that should be kept at a distance, um, and it is certainly consistent with our faith to defend ourselves and protect ourselves from someone who would repeatedly harm us, such as in situations of domestic violence. Right. Um, we, can, we can forgive. That doesn't always lead to a reconciliation. Oh, okay. Uh, I was going to ask you about that, because what happens... What happens if the, the, the offender uh, is not apologetic or is not interested in reconciliation or is not sorry or does not accept our apology? Right, and that's a, a very painful thing because um, you know, reconciliation is, is a, a beautiful healing of, of a rift um, that's been caused in a relationship, but reconciliation takes two people coming back together. Forgiveness only takes one. So we can always forgive another person, even if they don't wish to reconcile with us, even if they think they don't need to be forgiven. Forgiveness takes one. Reconciliation requires two. So they don't even need to know? Can I forgive someone from my past who's in another country who I'm never going to see again? Um, uh, How important is it that they know that I'm forgiving them? It depends, but um, there certainly is no general requirement that we need to necessarily communicate our forgiveness um, to those that we are forgiving. It may be that we are called upon to forgive someone who has died. Um, Perhaps we need to forgive our parents um, for some of the experiences of our childhood. There's not going to be an opportunity for reconciliation or communicating our forgiveness this side of the veil, um, but nevertheless, we can still forgive. We can let go of that resentment. You know, we can, we can stop from perhaps slandering them, you know, within the context of our remaining family members and so forth. So while reconciliation is always a beautiful thing, it's not always possible, and sometimes it's not always advisable. And it might not be, what you're saying is that it's not necessary for forgiveness. So that I forgive, right. 
so that I'm, would you say then that the purpose of the purpose, maybe that's not the right word, but the, the reason why we are called to forgive is more to release ourselves from that debt that we're holding the other person to rather than to, to bring the other person. I don't know. You know, sometimes people want to forgive as a way to retaliate. It's like, I'm going to make him, you know, <laughs> apologize, <laughs> um, but it's not right, about the other right. person. It's about me. I need to forgive for myself so that I can be free. That is certainly a very important part of forgiveness. Um, and as you mentioned, um, sometimes we can try to use what we think is forgiveness in a manipulative way. Um, I will forgive you if you apologize. <laughs> yeah. I will forgive you if you start getting your act together um, and so forth. And from a Christian perspective, Forgiveness is a gift of love, and Christian love is always unconditional. Mm -hmm. No strings attached, no preconditions. So we just forgive, and we don't try to use that in a manipulative way. Right. I mean, you know, we tell someone, I forgive you. Well, in our, uh, in our worst moments, we, we can do that while trying to present ourselves as being morally superior to the person who hurt us. You know, we got to be careful of that. Right. Now, th so those are some of the, the I guess, uh, uh, topics that are covered in the book. I don't want to go through all of them because I want people to buy your book. Um, but how, how would you advise that people use the book? Because it's organized in, uh, I believe it's 24 very short chapters, almost, almost like a devotional. How do you uh, hope that people can use well, this book? Um, and, and, and thank you. I, I intended it to be short easily digestible and, and hopefully, you know, accessible to uh, just about everyone who, who struggles to um, forgive. I'm, I'm a pastor and a preacher. I'm not a clinician and um, not a, uh, a psychotherapist. Um, so my, my hope in writing the book was to try to communicate an authentic Catholic understanding of forgiveness, um, because there are so many misconceptions about forgiveness, and there's a particular Catholic approach that is richer than, say, you know, a secular approach to forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I, I also hope that it's it's a tool for inspiration. You know, we've if we've truly and deeply been hurt by another person, uh, we can think there's no way. I could forgive, or forgiveness just isn't possible given what I've experienced. And I hope that people who read the book will be inspired to, to accept that with the grace of God, radical forgiveness is indeed truly possible and doable. Absolutely. And if I can add, it's, it's not just a book for people who are struggling with forgiveness or who, who need to forgive. It's a book for everybody. Because at some point in our lives, we're all going to have situations where we have to forgive, as you, as you mentioned earlier. So I uh, uh, very much encourage our listeners to uh, look up the book. Father Scott, um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today and, and uh, meeting you. Uh, thank you for sharing these uh, ideas with us today. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Father Scott Hurd is a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington, and he's also the author of Forgiveness, A Catholic Approach. The book is available through Pauline Books and Media. You can visit their website at pauline.org. 
Here now is our featured artist of the week, John Michael Talbot, with his song, Nothing Is Impossible. Nothing is impossible with God Overshadowed by the Holy Spirit Nothing is impossible with God Bearing in your life the good news John Michael Talbot with Nothing Is Impossible from his album Worship and Bow Down. Last time we spoke with John Michael Talbot, we spent the time speaking mostly about his new album, Worship and Bow Down, and his new mass setting. You can listen to that interview on the archive section of our website, saltandlighttv.org radio. But John has also just published a book titled The Blessings of Benedict, which is a devotional commentary on the ancient monastic rule for everyday use by everyday folks. And to find out what all that means, I spoke with John Michael Talbot earlier this week. John Michael, welcome back to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you, Pedro. It's great to be back with you. You guys are, are good friends. Yes, yes, thank you. Now, so this book, The Blessings of Benedict, it's a devotional yeah. book. Who, who is this book for? Is this a book for me? 
Uh, it's a book for monks, and it's good, and it's a book for folks that have a little bit of a monk in their heart, <laughs> but live out in the secular world. Okay. And uh, that was really the audience. You know, the new monasticism, as we're calling it, is is uh, is really a, a movement that spans all states of life. Folks that somehow find the monastic life and monastic spirituality. Uh, you know, communitarian emphasis, simplicity, mm-hmm. and mysticism. Um, you know, this is something that, that does not know the boundaries of whether you live in a monastery or not. So I wanted to write a book based upon an ancient Western monastic rule that kind of uh, took some of that, that wisdom and brought it into our situation today in, in modern culture. So is it, a, is, it an, is it a book that deals with ideas, or is it like a practical guide that I, as a married man with kids and with a job, can actually uh, use as, as maybe a guide or, or to put into practice those, some, some of those uh, aspects of the rule, the monastic rule? It is, it, it is. It is. But it's also really meant to be more of a devotional. When I wrote it, you know, I had just written for liturgical press a book called The Universal Monk, The Way of the New Monastics, right? which goes into some greater detail. And I thought, you know, I really want to write something that, that the average busy person can sit down either at the beginning or the end of a busy day mm-hmm. and do a comfortable read in just a few minutes. So mm-hmm. I limited myself to one a Microsoft Word page, and, uh, and and it was really a, a wonderful challenge because the words had to be concise, thoughts had to be complete, uh-huh. kind of round and big, and uh, and yet something that had historical credibility, uh, you know, scholastic credibility, and practical credibility. Right. So the typical format is. Here's what, it did. Here's what they did. Here's what we do in the Brothers and Sisters of Charity. Uh-huh. Here's the challenge for you. Those three things in each check. Okay. Can you can you give us an example? I'm having a hard time just kind of imagining. So at the end of the day, I've had a, a normal day at work, busy, whatever, and I can, you know, my quiet time, my devotional time, whatever, prayer time, I can read this. It's It'll be, it'll help me in my prayer. Um It'll help you with your prayer and your life. I mean, it takes about five minutes to read one of the little chapters, but they're meaty. Uh So you may take five minutes to read it, another five minutes to think about it, or you may read it slowly. Uh, The chapters range from things like, what is obedience? Well, the the root word from obedience in both the Hebrew and the Greek is to listen. Uh You know, to learn how to be a person in today's crazy world where we often don't let, you know, I watch TV and these interviewers, they don't let people finish sentences before they ask the next question. Right. You know, to learn how to actually listen to what somebody is saying. And to listen, you have to get to a place of quiet and contemplation in your own heart. And you have to, I, I give a couple of little guidelines, you know, let somebody finish before you answer. And Listen not only to what they're saying, but what what the spirit of what they're saying is about. Some people can, you know, can can voice themselves very well uh, through speech, and some people can't. So some people are clumsy the way they 
the, the way they address one another. Mm -hmm. So get underneath that. And the only way you can get underneath that is to get underneath that in yourself uh, by taking some quiet time and entering into meditation and contemplation every day. Right. Uh, there are other chapters that are more challenging. What do you do with, you know, the nearly 10 chapters on the the job from titles of how many psalms you're supposed to use at each liturgical office. Right. Well, you know, St. Benedict uh, was a great integrator and a great moderator. So, so he took the ancient monastic practice of, uh, you know, the Christian tradition. Mm -hmm. He also was in Italy, close to Rome, so he took the Roman liturgical tradition and he put them together in an integration that really worked for his monasteries. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when you understand that, that he is taking an ancient liturgical tradition, tapping into it, but adapting it to meet the daily needs of his monks, uh, it, it, that's a principle that helps us to understand how to be Catholic. Right. You know, you go back to the ancient, you tap into it, but you don't just mimic it like a parrot, you know, because we don't live back then. Right. You bring it into today's world and you apply it in a way that's going to be life-giving and in a way that's moderate. Uh, another challenging uh, chapter was <laughs> the reproving of boys. <laughs> what uh -huh. are you going to do with that? You know, well, the obvious application is children need discipline. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but 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 you have to bring that into today's environment where, you know, you, we don't, we don't tend to encourage people to spank their children regularly anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, we tend to use more educational means of discipline. So you have to apply it to, to that kind of setting. Right. Uh, or ex, or excommunication. Uh -huh. What is it? It's not the same thing as ecclesial excommunication. What it basically means is that through certain behaviors, in our community life, or in our family. We break communion with each other just by the way we act. So right. it's not so much that that the monastic leader excommunicates somebody. People kind of excommunicate themselves when mm -hmm. they stop acting in communion with their brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So those are some areas of the rule that can seem a little, frankly, a little archaic, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, how does this apply to modern still, life? So I, that, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it still applies, it's still practical. So if people are looking for a devotional, something to uh, to uh, help them in their prayer and their daily life, this is a good book. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, your, because you're, you're in Buffalo right now. I know you're in the middle of a, what I would call a tour, but it's part. this is part right. of your itinerant ministry. Um, this is something that I know that you've, I don't know if struggle is the right word, but struggle whether you should do or not do or how much time you should spend on the road. How's that going? Oh, it's, it's going great. But, <laughs> uh, you know, for instance, I mean, we're very busy. I lived as a hermit for a long, long time, and even as a religious recluse mm -hmm. for about five years when I wasn't out on the road. Uh, and the Lord gave me a word, you know. That people, I'll speak from the United States perspective, we're in terrible trouble down here. Right. You know, people are really discouraged. They're discouraged about... You know, the recession, they're, they're discouraged about politics. 
Uh, they're discouraged about the sex scandals in the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we're trying to bring a word of hope and of joy. You know, I laughingly uh, say, gee, you know, we need to find the wealth of Jesus that doesn't rise and fall with the economy. Right. That stays with us all the time. Uh, in politics down here in the States, I don't know what you guys have up in Canada, but, you know, uh, people don't know whether to drink coffee or tea. <laughs> right. You know, whether they're really conservative or really liberal yeah, or somewhere yeah. in between, people get very confused. So I say, look, let's preach the living water of the Spirit of God and the gospel of Jesus mm-hmm. that brings everybody together in a civil and a respectful way. Mm-hmm. And then, then in the church with the sex scandals, I, you know, I say, look, Jesus gave me a word back in 1978. The church has been sick and nearly died, but he's going to heal her and raise her to new life. And he said to me, I want you to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that word also applies today. You know, that we face the greatest challenge and are still facing the greatest challenge to the Catholic faith since the Protestant Reformation. Right. And, and, uh, guess what? Jesus is going to get this through it. Because guess, you know, popes come and go, bishops come and go, clergy comes and goes, praise God, even the parish council comes and goes. <laughs> but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah. So if we focus, if we focus on Christ, we're going to get through any challenge in the church or any challenge out in the, you know, the secular world. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's like, it's like when Peter was walking on water. When he focused on Jesus, he could he could walk on water. Yes. And when he got his when he got his eyes off of Jesus onto the storm, he yes. could get his faint. Yeah. So uh, this itinerant ministry is really bringing a message. Let's focus on Christ. Let Him get us through this, all these challenges. Yes, and that's a and, message that we need to hear here in Canada as well. Uh, I, I you know maybe maybe it's an opportunity to encourage our listeners in Canada. To uh, yeah. to go and and uh, check your website johnmichaeltalbot.com and and uh, invite you up because it's an important message. Now you are going to be in Canada next week at the Festival for Religious Song in Mississauga. That's in Ontario. Um, there's a concert uh-huh. on Sunday, November twentieth. It's at six p.m. at John Paul II at the John Paul II Center in Mississauga. Um, and I'm just putting in a plug because people can get more information at festivaloffaith.ca. Anyway, um, it's been great speaking with you, John. Uh, thank you for telling us about, about your new book. Um, and uh, I encourage everyone to go out there and get the book, to support your ministry, to uh, uh, buy your music, and, uh, and to keep your eyes focused on Jesus Christ like Peter so you can walk on water. How's that? Amen. 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 So uh, take it easy and uh, God bless. Thank you, Pedro. God bless everybody up there in Canada, and I'll see you soon. That was a conversation I had with John Michael Talbot earlier this week, but to learn more about John Michael Talbot or to purchase his books or music, go to johnmichaeltalbot.com. Here now is John Michael Talbot with Sacred Silence. Sacred Silence Holy Ocean Gentle Water Washing over me Help me listen Holy Spirit Come and speak to me Sacred silence Holy ocean 
listening to John Michael Talbot with Sacred Silence from his album Worship and Bow Down and that will take us to the end of the program remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio that's also where we post links to our artists or guests you can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org and to follow us closely do so on Facebook and Twitter thank you for your generosity for your prayers we cannot do our work without your support so thank you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio. Calm the raging storms within my soul And clear the waters of confusion Let pure and peaceful Sacred silence, holy ocean, gentle waters washing over me. Help me listen, Holy Spirit.